0: Amen. He's not there. I want to start today a little bit different. Can y'all give me just a little bit of light because I can't read back here in the dark. And then you can turn it back. Just, I want to start back here. I've got a good friend out in California. We met 25 years ago doing student ministry. Uh, Donna was having our child, Hannah, and he was at the hospital. He was in Montgomery speaking for me. He infected me with church planning many years ago, asked me to come into their denomination. And I seriously considered, as I was leaving my denomination, I seriously considered being in his denomination. And then I thought, wait a minute, I live in the Bible Belt. It's going to be hard enough planning the church and also planning a new denomination. So I said, let's go independent. And the church said, and I'm so glad we did. But there were a lot of assets to going with his denomination, like they were going to help pay my salary for a few years. That was kind of cool, but God took care of that. Uh, And they would have some control, and that was kind of like, eh, I don't know about that. But he was here a few years ago. LeBaron, you remember him, went to the ball game with us. Ray Johnston, great communicator. Well, he wrote a book that we have over on our tables and we give out to new believers. It's called What If It's True? It's all about the resurrection. Well, today I'm going to start a series about the five best decisions you'll ever make. And today's kind of a uh, conceptual set it up. How do we make decisions? But I want you to hear this because here's somebody that made a decision. And I love this story. Their honeymoon night, wait a minute, <laughs> I didn't mean to start there. Yeah, there, here, here, here we go. Wait a minute, I almost messed up. I almost gave you the uh, the wrong, almost read it at the wrong place. Hold on just a minute. I thought I had it marked. I almost gave away the punchline. Wouldn't that be horrible? Okay, here it is. Ready? These are people that are on his staff, or they used to be on his staff. No, they still are. Scott and Leslie hosts were on their honeymoon, and they arrived there in the wee hours of the morning in a fancy hotel. Excited, they were looking forward to spending their first night together in a luxurious bed in the hotel's bridal suite. When they got to their room, they found a sofa, a chair, and a table, but no bed. think you see a little problem. After several minutes, they discovered their sofa was a -a hide-a-bed. Mm-mm-mm. They spent a fitful night tossing, turning on a lumpy mattress and sagging springs. Their honeymoon night was absolutely ruined. The next morning, Scott stormed down to the front desk and gave the clerk a tongue lashing. There must be some mistake. The clerk said after checking the host reservations, didn't you open the door to the bedroom? Scott went back up to the room, opened the door that he thought led to a closet, and discovered the bedroom to the bridal suite. Inside was a king size bed covered with fruit baskets, boxes of chocolates, and a dozen red roses. Completely available and yet totally unused. Some doors are just too important to leave closed. Now, I did that to set you up because decisions are just that important. They're critical. We make decisions every day. We make hundreds of decisions. Some of you maybe even make thousands of decisions. You're like, well, I ain't made no decisions. Yeah, you did. When you got up in the morning, you decided if you are going to brush your teeth or not, and we all said, amen. Some of you decided to get up and take a shower and use deodorant. We went, amen, amen, amen. And some of you decided not to, so we're going to set you over here next week, okay, in the kitchen. And, and then you made decisions. Here, here's one of the toughest decisions that we make, especially women. You go to your closet. What will I and what shoes will I wear with my outfit? My biggest decision is what watch will I wear today? You know what I'm saying? That's the, but we make decisions, and we make decisions. What am I going to eat for breakfast? And what am I going to do when I get to my office? And what am I going to do at school? And will I speak to that person? Will I not speak to that? Well, decisions are everywhere. And there's decisions that we're going to talk about in this series that are very critical to our faith progress, our faith maturity. But I want to just give you some scriptures um, from the Bible that I think are just, just good to get in the spirit. So just listen to these. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope in a future. Jeremiah 29, 11. So many of us know that passage. It's a great passage, just that God promises a hope in a future. Another great verse is, being confident of this very thing that he who began a good work in me will perfect it unto completion against the day of Christ Jesus. Philippians one six. Another one's Galatians six nine. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time, proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not. Now is isn't that, isn't that cool? We need to know that, don't we? Because sometimes we're right on the edge of breakthrough and we stop short. And then the last one is Psalm 23, 6. We learn this as probably little kids. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And all don't all of us long to dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Amen. Man, I look forward to that. Man, my back does not hurt anymore. I'm not hungry ever. I'm completely satisfied. No more meetings to go to, thank God. Just all the things in this life that tend to get you a little weary and a little tired, all that's done. This life will pass away. It'll fade. But those things that we will do eternally. Or our decisions are critical. Let me talk to you about some bad decisions that I discovered. These are amazing. Sam Phillips was the guy that started RCA Records. Probably heard of that recording company. He decided to sell the recording studio and all the exclusive rights to his artist for a mere sum of $35,000. As history tells us, he sold RCA Records. With that, he sold the exclusive rights to one artist. His name was Elvis Presley. They say for $35,000, Sam Phillips probably gave away $1 billion. I'd say not a good decision. All right, let's go to some of us that used to watch the show Magnum P.I., and the star was Tom. No, no, you women had a problem with that. I noticed that. He made a bad decision, I found out. He was invited to do the movie Indiana Jones, and he thought it would be a flop, and he turned it down. What a dummy he was. Let me tell you about a dumber one. I told the staff about this the other day, some of the guys. The two guys that originally created Superman, they sold out all rights to Superman for $65 apiece. Don't you know they spanked theirself all the way home? Then I like this one. There was two thieves in Boston. They went into a grocery market and they stole some lobsters. They put the lobsters down the front of their pants. <laughs> Not a very good decision. But then here's a decision that just really because I ended up with a criminal justice major minor in, in in college before I went into theology studies, so I'm always interested about how dumb the prison population can be or how recidivism rates and all these kind of things. But this uh, this one prison, this staff, they thought, you know, we need to work off some of this energy they have, so we're going to buy them a trampoline. So they bought them a trampoline, but the only thing was, one of the guards wasn't the smartest. And he decided to put the trampoline over on the side wall. You know where I'm going with this? The guys figured out how to jump, and they jumped over the fence and escaped. So we make a lot of dumb decisions. And you know what's fun? We love to laugh at other people's dumb decisions. I mean, like right now, while you're at tables, I, I just came to me. I want you to turn and just share your, one of your dumb decisions with somebody sitting next to you. Just share with them one of the dumb decisions you made. Just share that. Just a dumb decision you made. And don't say I married you, okay? Some of you are talking for the first time this morning. I wish Jeff had the ability to record what y'all are saying. I bet they're pretty crazy, Jeff. Well, come back with me. You can talk about more dumb decisions at lunch. I want us to experience the goodness of God, the best that God has to offer. In Joshua, the 24th chapter, the 15th verse, There's a little section that we always quote, but I'll read the whole verse. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. That was a great decision, wasn't it? I remember when I made that decision to follow Jesus Christ at Troy University as a 19-year-old freshman. Greatest decision I ever made. Second greatest decision I ever made, to ask Donna to marry me. Now, I'm not going to say that's her top decision that she said yes to answer me, but I'm so glad that she did. But we've made a lot of good decisions in our lives, and we've made a lot of bad decisions, and a lot of times I hope we learn from our bad decisions. I never will forget the the car that I coveted, I didn't covet it. It, it wasn't that cool. It, you couldn't covet this car, especially now since I have a fetish for a Boxster Porsche and these other kinds of cars. But uh, but it was a Volkswagen Rabbit. <laughs> and I remember I wanted that Rabbit so bad. I had a Toyota Corolla, and I wanted this Rabbit. That was the car from Hades. I was riding down the road one day, and the door just flew open on its, by itself. Another day, the brakes went out. Another day, the transmission went out. The happiest day of that decade was the day I sold it. Actually, I think I paid the woman to take it off my hands. Like, demon, get out of here. Okay. But the power of decisions. Let's look at the outline. Get ready to write with me. Number one, the power of decisions. My decisions, not my circumstances, determine my future. My decisions. We all have circumstantial deals in our life and circumstances, and some have good and some have bad. And you have good today, you might have bad later, or maybe they're really bad and you're hoping for some good circumstances. But the thing is, sometimes we make good decisions, and sometimes we make horrible decisions. And God is looking for the person, the man or the woman or the boy or girl, that is fully committed to Him and His principles and His word and His kingdom, and that He will direct their path that they might make better decisions. In 2 Chronicles 16, verse 9, I remember when I found this passage 25 years ago, and I fell in love with it. For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those hearts who are fully committed to Him. Fully committed to Him. The Lord watches. He looks down on your homes. He looks down on your life. He looks down on your ministry. He looks down on your friendship, on your business, on your school. And he says, I want to strengthen you. I want to direct you. I want to lead you. And when you slow down long enough to say, God, I want guidance. I want leadership in my life. You're on your way to making some good decisions. I like what John Maxwell, the great leadership, I I buy all his books. And if I don't buy them, Donna buys them for me. And I love this. He said this, great people are ordinary people who make extraordinary decisions. I like that. You know, we're just a bunch of ordinary people, but we serve an extraordinary God, don't we, church? And when we seek God, we can make extraordinary decisions that result in fruitfulness and glory to the king. And there's three parts. I want you to write this in because I forgot to put it in the notes, but this is critical. I want you to write this thing down. Ready? Decisions, era, direction, era, destiny. Decisions, direction, destiny. Decisions always determine the direction that we walk in life. Would you not agree? We make a decision. Like, I was thinking about this, LeBaron. I was thinking, I remember when I first got to know you, you told me you started off as an engineer. And your firm was, in uh, or, or, this company, they were paying all these lawyers, and they said, LeBaron, you seem like you got some smarts. Why don't you go to law school? And then you ended up down here in Montgomery. We're glad you did. But you made a decision. And then Brian, one day, uh, did you always want to be a physical therapist or did that kind of happen? One day you saw the light and you decided to be a physical therapist and you went through all that rigorous training and Christy said, Praise the Lord, and you can take care of her, right? And, and, different, and, and, and you may did, and Terry List, did y'all know this? Terry List uh, is a math major. I didn't know this until a few years ago. And Terry was invited to come teach math at some school, but he chose not to. He chose to go with the federal government, and he, you did statistics and that kind of stuff, didn't you? But it was a good decision. And now if you just go down your table and you go, yeah, I made this decision, I made this one. And you made some good decisions. And because you made those decisions, like, here we go, let me pick on the Hubbards real quick. The Hubbards are real happy. Johnny and Lenore, you're real happy that Renee decided to like and love your son-in-law, Chris. And you're real, real, real happy that they decide to have a little girl named Ellie that we'll dedicate next weekend. You're like, that boy's smart. Good decision. You know what I'm saying? Now, if you don't know like people in your family, you're like, man, bad decision. Why don't we get that person in our family? But you see how this decision, it, or what it does, it flows into decisions, into direction, and, and then it goes to destiny. Our destiny comes out because of the direction of our lives that we follow, that we flow, that we walk in. And some of you are just walking in incredible destinies this morning and and your life has been determined, or that destiny, by the decisions you made. I'll talk about a kingdom destiny decision that I made a little later, but let's keep going through this because I want you to see number two. My decisions determine the quality of my life. See, we all want a greater quality of life, I would imagine. And those decisions affect how we live in a large part. And as you look at that, like, if you decided as an athlete, You would work hard and run hard and do extra weight and do this and this and this and pay the price. Then come Friday night or Tuesday night or whenever the ball game was, you probably performed at a higher level because you made a hard decision early. Or maybe you were a musician and you decided to learn all the scales and you decided to practice and you became a really good musician. How many of you are glad that we have a band that decided to make a decision to be a musician to improve on their skills? I'm really grateful for that. I mean, they don't just come up here and go, hey, man, this is cool stuff. Let's just sit down and make noise. Now, I promise you, if me and Jimmy Harper and some of us went up there and just started playing next weekend, we'd run the house out when with Jimmy. I mean, it would just be like the gong show. be like, man, y'all are horrible. Y- y'all don't come back and do that anymore. Y'all do something else, but don't do that. Sorry, Jimmy, maybe you play an instrument. I don't know if you do. G- Galatians 6, 7, listen to this. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Do you agree with that? You reap what you sow. It is an eternal law of the kingdom of God for Christians and non-Christians. You sow, you reap. You sow, you reap. You don't sow, you don't reap. You know what I'm talking about? Remember in school or currently in school, when you sow hard, usually there's a reward you reap. Or at least you maybe pass a subject. That's still a, a plus, isn't it? Or in life, when you go out and you sow and you continue to make those sales calls when it's really hard and people aren't buying, but you don't give up and you keep calling and eventually you get a sale, you reap because you did not grow weary in well-doing. Our decisions make us. I love to read biographies and autobiographies. I got a book the other day. I can't wait to get into it. It's like 50 snippets of uh, biographies of great men and women of faith. Just tremendous men of faith. Because I remember one of the first books I ever read was a book called Spiritual Secrets by Hudson Taylor. You know who Hudson Taylor was? Hudson Taylor was the man that opened up inland China to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Would you say he's been pretty fruitful? His legacy is huge. And he became like the inland people there. And, and God opened the door that he could share the gospel of grace. But I, I love reading about other people and what they've done in their life and what they haven't done. and Because I want you to write this down or hear it in your heart. Our decisions make us. Say that with me. Our decisions make us. Does anybody agree with that statement? Hold your hand up if you agree with that. Our decisions, they make us. Our inability to make decisions. They define us too. Because to make no decision is to make a decision, isn't it? So decisions. You say, man, you're, you're so fired up about this. Well, because the, the seat that I sit in is pastor, I have to make more decisions now than I've ever made in my whole life. You know what the humbling thing is? The decisions I make affect hundreds of people. Hundreds. And I pray one day thousands of people. Those decisions are eternal. their kingdom. But it's no different in your life. Decisions you make impact your family. Decisions you make impact your business. Decisions you make in, uh, impact your, your school situation. So we look at it. But let's look at something here. Indecision, ready to get this? Indecision creates instability. Say so when you can't make a decision... You're unstable. I mean, you just begin to go off. James 1.8 says he is double-minded. He's a double-minded man. Unstable in all he does. He can't make up his mind. It's just craziness. And I wrote it in there from the Greek. Double-minded means to be two souls. It means to be in conflict. It just means that, man, there can be no resolution. No solution comes out of this situation. It's just tough. And it's So indecisions, get ready to write in that little box. It causes unstable emotions. When you don't make decisions, your emotions tend to kind of go down and up and down and up. I mean, you're just all over the page, and yes and no, and you can't, you can't make up your mind. And I think those people are the most miserable. I, think, I really feel pity for them because it's like they put, they put one foot. Here it is because I love the water. They got one foot over here in the boat, and they got one foot on the pier. And you go, hit it. I mean, you got, you got to get off, haven't you? And some of you, you just don't make decisions. You're like, well, I can't make a decision. I'll call my husband. I'll call my doctor. I'll call my lawyer. I'll call, I, I can't make a decision. I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, how many? don't raise your hand if you're like that. But you know what I'm saying, don't you? Some of you are like, man, I just don't make decisions. And in this series, I'm praying that we're going to learn there's some decisions that we have to make. And ultimately, that decision is we have to make a decision to follow Christ or not follow Christ. Not play at it, not but get religious, but get a relationship with Christ. It's kind of the ending today. Let's move on here. So the second one is unstable relationships is caused by indecision. Your relationships are kind of rocky. You you want in, you want out. No, I really want to be a part of that. No, I don't know if I want to be a part of that. And can, can I just be honest with you because they won't tell you? You're driving people nuts. Make up your mind. I want to be in this relationship. You know, I meet people like that all the time, especially people dating. You know, man, man, she just smells so good. But I just don't know if I want to be with her. Well, I don't know if she wants to be with you either. But you know what? Y'all make up your mind. You're driving everybody else nuts. I mean, are y'all familiar with the term drama? Yeah, okay. That's what it is. The third thing is unstable spiritual life is caused by indecision. Your spiritual life, you're spiritually schizophrenic. You just don't get with the program, and God wants us to have stable spiritual lives. The man, and James says, that man should not think that he received anything from the Lord, so he's a double-minded person, and all they do, they're unstable. And I'm saying, God, help us to move to decision. Point three, my decisions determine my impact and my influence. See, I hope and pray that we want to be people of impact and influence and and in Acts 2:42 and 47, we, we talked about last weekend, uh, lost people matter to God, but we talked about they devoted themselves to the Lord God and to each other. And the Lord added, they, they were devoted, they had impact, they moved. So I'm looking here at biblical characters, and I, I got to thinking about, let's start with Moses. Moses chose ill treatment to, to be abused, to be taken advantage of for a season. But through his faithfulness, an entire nation was spared, and we were given the, five books, the first five books of the Bible. Another man was Joseph. He decided that he would not let bitterness and resentment ruin his life because his brothers had sold him into slavery. He chose not to let family dysfunction. Can anybody agree? Okay. <laughs> he chose not to let family dysfunction control him, and God used him and raised him to the position of prime minister. And God used him in a big way. And Joseph was like, man, it was, it was a great thing because he made a key decision. Let me give you another one. Nehemiah. You're going to hear about Nehemiah this fall because I'm meditating on Nehemiah for our capital campaign. But the simple story is the wall of Jerusalem was in ruin for 90 years. And everybody says it can't be rebuilt. It can't be done. It's impossible. We can't do that. We've never done that before. I would have loved to showed up there. And Nehemiah... Single focus, and he led others. In 52 days, they built the wall, and they finished it to completion. Praise God. It's a great story of faith and perseverance. Let me give you another one. This is not a biblical character, so don't say, Pastor, you said you're going to get biblical characters. But I love this guy in history. His name was Abraham Lincoln. One day, history tells us he was forced. He was sitting at his desk. He had a sheet of paper sitting in front of him. He had to make a decision. If he signed this sheet of paper, slavery would be abolished. Slavery would end. Good thing. But he also knew that if he signed that sheet of paper, civil war would break out in America. And that sheet of paper was called the Emancipation Proclamation. But see what a decision, because I've read about Abe Lincoln over the years. Did you know Abe Lincoln was a great man of faith in Jesus Christ? I even read one day that his seamstress led him to faith in Jesus Christ. That's awesome. You know what that tells me? There's no role that's not important to the king. Come am talking about to the king of kings, but I guess you could call President Lincoln the king too, couldn't you? Because we don't, you know, in this country we don't have kings. We have presidents, and you maybe you have prime ministers or whatever you're, you know. I mean, why am I telling you that? Okay. All right. So what about you and your decisions? Well, I think about decisions I made. The one that I'll probably be known for will be the decision to have left student ministry that was doing incredibly well to leave a really great church to plant a really awesome church called Christ Community 13 years ago. And it seems like now, you know, I look at it and I sniff it and smell it and look at it and everything else all the time. But I tell you, when this is all in your head, it's all in your heart, it was a big decision. And Donna made that decision. we made that in connection in our marriage and our covenant. we knew that was going to mess our family up for a season and we're so glad it did. JMac, I thought about you. You made a decision just a few years ago. You made a decision to leave being a state trooper and having a canine with you all the time and all the great things that that was going to bring to your life and you chose to become a student minister at Christ' community and the church said, but he made a decision, and I could just go up and down and say, You made a decision, and that decision impacted other people. Let me talk about a couple. That I always used to point this way. That's east, isn't it? No, wait a minute. That's east, isn't it? Where'd I get that? Duh. Okay, going out here. This is going to Auburn, correct? Well, whatever. All right, hey, is, hey, get, get me to the interstate. The interstate's right there. isn't it, Mike? I 85, and that would be east, going toward Auburn, right? Thank you, Chuck. Okay, all right. Mess me up. Well, then you just come preach. I'm, I'm confused. But if you look over there, there was a guy over there, and he made a decision one day to fall in love with this girl and to marry this girl, and they were leading this little bitty Bible study at Auburn University. And they had about four or five people, and it grew to 12. And he went and he started cooking dinners and breakfast in the fraternity house so he could put food on the table for his wife. His name's Matt Dean. And they grew to this little ministry called twelve to 1,500 students at Auburn University. It was one of the biggest college ministry movements in America. But you know the rest of that story. This past year, God said, no, you can't stay here, son. I got a new address. We're going to go six, 8,000 miles across the sea. And he's in Hong Kong this morning, Grace Campus, Hong Kong. See how those decisions he's made, how they're impacting lives. And today he went there because he hopes to reach millions of people for Jesus Christ in Hong Kong. And that's why that flag hangs up there. See, you're saying, well, man, some decisions are, are bigger than others. Well, duh. But all decisions are what? Or critical they 're important, and I, and I hope we can get in on this because this is really good kingdom truth here, so we make decisions. Let me give you the fourth one quickly. My decisions determine my ultimate destiny. When you make a decision, it determines your destiny mark eight thirty six and thirty seven What good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul, or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? Nothing it 's not good to gain the riches of this world and miss Jesus. It's not good to get all the goods and everything that this world and and fame and honor, whatever it brings, and miss the relationship that's really solid and life-giving with Christ. So let's move into this, how to make great decisions quickly. Number one, has to pass some tests, the ideal test, okay? You have to pass the ideal test, and that moves into this. Is it in harmony with God's Word? The ideal test to pass is, is this congruent? Is this aligned with the Word of God? First of all, you have to know the Word of God. You have to study the Word of God, but does it line up? Psalm 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. So God's word gives what? Light. It gives leadership. It gives direction. So the number one question is, we just need to say, does my life line up with this book? Is my life lining up with what Holy Scripture teaches? Let's go to three unreliable uh, resources of authority. Now, this is what the world tries to teach us and tries to throw on us. So get ready to fill these in real quick. Number one. Culture. We're sociologists study amalgamations and culture and norms, and I remember all that stuff from thirty something years ago. And it's really cool to study culture and to be a proponent of culture and to be relevant in culture. But here's once—if you can fill this in, everybody's wait wait a minute, everybody's yeah, everybody's doing it. Everybody ain't doing it. Doing what? Well, that's for you to fill in later. But. Everybody's doing this. Everybody's doing that. You see, and we go, well, let's take a poll. Let's get Time Magazine, and let's get our morality from Time Magazine. Or well, let's go listen to Oprah and let Oprah tell us what morality should be. No, I suggest this morning, let's take the word of the Lord Jesus Christ and say, God, what do you say about it? And I want to follow your book. Amen? And that's, what, that's right. You can clap right there. That, that, that'd be worthy of clapping right there. God, we want your word. And another one would be tradition. Now, you can get in trouble with tradition. And somebody says, we don't have any tradition. Sure, we do. We, we got body life. We got Robin's Lake baptism every June. and You know, the more I think about it, we got more traditions than, I mean, we didn't have any traditions in the, when we started because we didn't know what we were doing. and But now we know a little bit of what we're doing, okay? But traditions. And here's a tradition that people don't write me an email on this next one, but, I, but I'm going to go ahead and tell you real quick. I don't apologize for how I lead in worship. I don't think I'm right. I don't think I'm the only way. It's just the way God wired me. Don and I started a contemporary church for montgomery and we were really the first one in 1996 now there's blended and traditional and contemporary and all that and we took out the hymnals and we picked up the praise songs and the choruses and we've been singing a new song that is so cool because i did not plan to read that scripture god led me to that so i know that was a holy spirit moment but we began to do that well some people will fight and go you can't do that you can't throw out the hymnals pastor the bible in the hymnal you cannot put a hymnal up with the word of god can you hear me church You see, they worshiped in the temple. They worshiped for thousands of years. We've only had a hymnal like a couple hundred years. You know what I'm saying? And I love hymnals, and we've brought some hymns back to Christ's communion. We sang one this morning, didn't we? And I love them. But they're not on equal ground. There's nothing above Scripture. Can we just go ahead and agree on this? This is the holy word of God. Amen? So don't try to go, well, we can't do this. Here's another one I found that can bother people. I can't believe you let nine ordained people serve communion. I come out of tradition. I'm ordained. I got all the credentials, did all the studies. I know. I know how hard it was. And only the ordained could serve. And I don't slam that. But I'm telling you, Christ's communion, we've chosen. If you love the Lord Jesus Christ, you would be invited to participate and to serve others in communion. And the church said, see, but a lot of times we're, not, we're going to set traditions above God. Let's don't set tradition above God. Let's set God above. And the third one is this, feelings. Our feelings, how could it be wrong if it feels so right? Sounds like a song, do not it? What do you mean? It's just because your simple flesh just wants to do wrong stuff. I'll tell you this. I'm going to let you in on a secret. Listen. Shh, shh. If it didn't feel good or wasn't fun, we wouldn't do it. That's called sin, okay? All right. So I just thought I'd share that with you. I thought that might change somebody's life. Number two, the influence test. The influence. What influence? Would harm or help other people? That's critical. Will this harm or help other people? I think as we begin to follow Jesus, we need to be less concerned about ourselves, less self-absorbed, and more concerned about others. Paul said it this way, consider others better than yourselves. Think of others first. Would help or will harm others. Romans 14.12 says from the Living Bible, each of us will give an account of himself to God. Try to live in such a way that you will never make your brother stumble by letting him see you doing something he thinks is wrong. Romans 15, 1 and 2. Even if we believe that it makes no difference to the Lord, whether we do these things, still we cannot just go ahead and do them to please ourselves. We must bear the burden of being considerate of the doubts and fears of others. Here's what I want to say. Folks are watching you. You're a living billboard for Jesus when you take Christ as Savior and Lord. People watch what you do. You ought to be a preacher. And Rachel, to you and Hannah, and now you, Jeremy, because you're married into this family. Sometimes it's unfair. Everybody's like, oh, are y'all just sitting around holy all the time and hold hands and sing? And Jeremy would go, no. I mean, we don't cuss and throw stuff and all that, but, I mean, but we have our moments. I mean, you know, I, 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 I'm still trying to be a godly man, an example to my son. I love him so much. But Jeremy, I mean, the first time he kind of just saw me, like he just kind of raised his eyebrow. That's all he does, you know, just like. He's human. Put on his pants just like I did today, okay? Hello? I mean, does that make y'all feel better? Did y'all know Nathan and Mike put on their pants just like y'all? Don't y'all, Mike? I mean, you know, sometimes we make mistakes, and we need to confess those when we make them, but we got to walk on. But let me tell you, you are saying, well, that's just y'all. You know people are watching you, Ian? Dave, you know people, they're watching you, bro. Did you know they're watching y'all this morning? John, you know people are watching you? I just want to put all y'all on notice. Because always, there's always been a distinction between the clergy and the laity. No, not my Bible. we weird to be an example. <laughs> All of us. The third, quickly, the investment test. Is this the best use of my life when I make a decision? It, would this bring honor to Christ? Be very careful how you live, says Ephesians. Don't live like those who are not wise. Live wisely. I mean that you should use every chance you have for doing good because these are evil times. So don't be foolish with your lives. Learn what the Lord wants you to do. Invest wisely. Invest wisely. You know, I'll say this to you. Early decisions shaped this church. We made some early decisions, and here I'm going to just, I wrote some of these down. Here's some early decisions we made. What do we want people to become? My burning desire, if you don't know, is for people to follow Jesus Christ and to fall passionately in love with Jesus that is what I've been praying for. That's what I pray, I've prayed for for 13 years. Actually, ever since I started following Christ, I want people to follow Christ and be true worshipers in spirit and truth, and I hope and pray that we do that. Number two, what do we want people to do? Well, I want us to do what Jesus said. I want us to love our neighbor. Who's our neighbor? Well, you know, that's a whole sermon, okay? It's everybody. It's the people next door, it's our enemies, it's those that persecute us, it's those that love us, it's those that are cantankerous. Does anybody have a cantankerous friend? Only six of us? Okay. And here's the third one. Where do you want people to go? I want people to go to heaven, and I want people to go to small groups. That's what I talked about last weekend. I want you to do life in circles from rows to circles. You're saying, he tied it in again. I hope we'll do life in circles in the context of authentic community. But here, I want you to wrap up this. I'm going to invite the elders to get at the crosses and anybody that's with them. I read a story years ago, and I just found it last night as I was wrapping up for today. And D.L. Moody was a great evangelist. And he was a declarer of the gospel of grace. And on October 8, 1871, he spelled out the most fantastic terms, the claims of Christ. And the audience there in Chicago listened with awe and were inspired for Christ. But then he did something, and I want you to hear it. He says, I want you to think about it, he said. I want you to take the next week before making this decision. It's a major decision. I don't want you to rush into making this decision. I want you to give it good time. I want you to mull it over in your mind. I want you to think about it seriously. And next week, we'll reconvene. And I'll call you for evidence to the decision that you've made tonight or this week. The next night, thousands that heard him died in the great fire of Chicago. And for the rest of his life, D.L. Moody couldn't get that out of his mind. Because he would not given people an opportunity to decide for Christ. So this morning, I'm going to invite you to make a decision for Jesus Christ. I don't know if it's my last time to tell you. I don't know if it's your last time to hear. If you know my journey, my life's filled with pain and people dying and getting killed and not having opportunities and hearts are getting hardened. So let me just tell you the best I know how. If you don't know Christ, this is about as close as you're ever going to get. You're not assured of another second. So bow your heads with me. Open your heart. And call upon Jesus if you need salvation and say, Jesus Christ, I am a sinner. i open my heart. I turn from my sin and I invite you to come into my heart right now and save me. Cleanse me by your blood and make me your child. Be my Savior and be my Lord. I surrender right now, Jesus, of all that I know of you and I give you all that I know of myself and I give you me. Take my life. And let it be yours. I make this decision today in faith. With heads bowed. Could people just raise their hands up if you just made a decision to follow Christ? Would you just raise your hands high? Raise it up. Don't be ashamed. Did anybody just make a decision for Jesus Christ? Okay. What well, tells me one thing. We've got to get incredibly invitational this week. Because the world needs to know that Christ still changes lives today. God's people gathered on a Sunday morning and said, amen. That's it. Part two next week. Man, thanks for being here today. I love you.